For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name's Tim. My name is Marshall. All right. Mm-hmm. Stepping into a new phase. Yeah. Doing yeah. some uh, some examinations of other religions. Yeah, pretty much. Faith uh, groups. As yes. Faith known. groups. That's the more faith groups. progressive term. Yeah. Yeah. And today we're talking with a big one. Yep. Sure. The, the biggest one outside of Christianity. Yeah. Worldwide. We're talking about Islam. Right. And, and I think... So it, there's this isn't going to be like the episode on Islam. No. We're going to do a couple, mm-hmm. right? We're going to talk about today the history, mm-hmm. where it came from, and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it's a pretty misunderstood group. Yep. And I I think, um, I, I think especially especially here in North America. It's misunderstood. Yeah. And, and and part of the reason that it's misunderstood is we have to be very careful of this. These are not homogenous groups. Yeah. That's through this whole section. We have to keep in mind that we're not talking about a level playing field of everyone being the same. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's a huge problem. That's where we run into stereotypes, which is a problem. But it's also where we run into issues of the exception becoming the rule. Right, yeah. Yeah, where you talk to someone and you're like, hey, this is going on. And they're like, well, I've got a guy from my office who is loosely a part of this thing. We just throw anything out there that you could imagine. And he's like this. So that's what they're like. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when uh, Westboro Baptist was big in the news? Yep. So Westboro Baptist, like, which is essentially just, they, they turned it to be kind of like, they're all like related. It's like an extended family that was mm-hmm. ostensibly a church. But really they were just, essentially they would just go to various places and make protests, often kind of inappropriately so. And for, for the for the sheer reason of kind of not just garnering attention, but kind of inciting violence against them so that they could turn around and sue people for assaulting them because they were so offensive. Um, so but but if you didn't know anything about Baptists mm-hmm. and that was and, and you were kind of, you know, aware of the news at that time, that's what you associated with Baptists was Westboro oh, yeah. Baptist. Right. And right. so there was a time when you had to almost like be like people be like oh like what kind of church are you from like baptist but not like them (laughs) yeah and all of a sudden everything you do is bathed in a disclaimer right right right. and so and so that is also true um of islam now there's distinctions that it's not it's not a Mm -hmm. it's not a you know an apples to apples comparison but um that that's still worth worth mentioning right yeah islam's a very broad broad group of people yeah i i would say I would say as broad as Christianity. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. Right, sure. and so when, so when people are like, um, well, I grew up going to, to Catholic school, mm-hmm. so I know about Christianity. We would argue Catholics are nothing like us. 
right in faith in practice in worldview in any way at all yeah uh, but an outsider looking in is going to just see christian right and yeah. say well maybe maybe you see minute differences but to me it's all the same right we would say no these are radical differences and and so here's the other thing that i wanted to just lay out before the next few months of this exercise plays out over various religions. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. A hun- 100% we're going to get it wrong sometimes mm-hmm. because we are also on the outside looking in. Sure. So we don't know these cultures as intimately as someone inside would know. Yeah. We don't have like degrees in Islam. Right. No. We've done some research. We're going to do our best. We're going to try. It's more than a Google search. Yep. Exactly. And a a wild guess. (laughs) Uh, We're going to do our our best to be fair. Yeah. That's important too. Which is which is going to upset people both ways. I think it will. Yeah. I I think in the same way that someone could be upset to say um, you painted this picture that wasn't gracious because they're not all like that. There would also be those who would say, oh my goodness, you threw them a bone. How yeah. could you do that? Yeah. Right? Our our job in this is to be as objective and gracious as possible. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. because we have an agenda one way or the other, mm-hmm. but because if we want to understand a people, mm-hmm. the only way you can do that is by making the decision to be Transparent and an objective. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And if, if you come at it with these notions of, I got a feeling I know who you are anyway, or I'm going to paint a picture of these people so that I can apply this to it, man, you're, you're answering questions that aren't being asked, and it's useless to everyone around you. Yeah. Right? Sure. So... We're going to do our best to be objective. We're going to miss from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we apologize for that ahead of time. Yeah. But we're, we're doing our best to understand um, and to, to hopefully help you understand as well. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. So today we're talking about Islam, which is uh, an important uh, group to understand. And because... So I, I did a little research in, in regards to where we live here in Canada. So Muslims have lived in Canada since 1871. So we're talking like 150 years here. And the first mosque was established in 1938. Um, Muslims represent about 5% of the total population in Canada. Although if you're in larger cities like Toronto or mm-hmm. Montreal, even London, Ontario, more locally, it's going to be more like 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an extremely rapid growth, right? So, so 5% of the total population, but 20 years ago, they represented only 2% of the total population. So you can kind of see the trajectory of where this is going. So if you don't have Muslim neighbors yet or Muslim colleagues yet, wait a decade and you probably yeah, will. Sure. Um, well, I probably won't have co-workers or colleagues. Well, we, yeah, we won't have colleagues, maybe neighbors. <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah. The antichrist is one if we did. Uh, oh my goodness. Candace is FaceTiming me right now and I have to just close all my notes. Okay. Sorry, Candace. Um, okay. So Islam, the word Islam means submission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Muslims see themselves as those who are submitting to the will of God. That is kind of the inherent ethos of the Islamic faith, right? Right. So, and there's 
there are parallels with even where, where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. God is true. I submit to that truth. Submitting to that truth is my way of life. It defines who I am. That is Islam. Right. Right. And in, in, in that's like, that's literally what the word means. Um, but we can get into the, the history bit. And the history is important to kind of understand because it's, um, well, I mean, it, it shapes world history to a large degree. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and it, it also, it also shapes the way that a person should think about the religion itself. Yeah. Especially if you're doing a comparative study. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something of a timeline that is useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because where, where do you place kind of the emergence of this, this faith in the context of world history, right? Right. Which is question I'll turn back on you. Yeah. Where do you place it? So, so I, so where I would place it, where I place the emergence of Islam is with the, the, the birth of, of Muhammad. Um, now we're going to see some things that are drawn out from earlier times that come into it, but uh, Muhammad was born in around 570 AD in or around Mecca, which is now in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're talking about the Middle East. We're talking about, you know, more than 500 years after um, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Middle East at that time. I, I would argue oh, 500 years after the completion of the Bible. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah. the books of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're kind of talking about. Yeah. 500 years after that. So Christianity has emerged. Uh, Christianity has um, kind of become the dominant religion in the Roman Empire, which has since yeah. split, which has then the Western portion has fallen. The eastern portion remains for the right. time being. And, and if you want to, if you, for those of you that were here for the history side of this, um, if you think about how important the fourth century was mm-hmm. to the church, right? We're talking hundreds of years after that. Yeah. We're, yeah. So if you want to think about like Augustine, mm-hmm. the gap between Augustine and Muhammad is the same gap as the gap between Canada and no Canada. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right? <laughs> Even more so, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it, it, U.S. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, the, Declar- the Declaration of Independence, right? Like, it's, <laughs> there's that much gap yeah. Yeah. between even, even Augustine, where yeah. we start seeing some really strict refining work, mm-hmm. right? This is way after the Council of Nicaea. Oh, yeah. Hundreds yeah. of years after the Council yeah. of Nicaea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so so the context in which Muhammad is born, the Middle East at this time is a very volatile region. A lot of tribal warfare, uh, competing factions, competing faiths. Polyis, uh, polytheism, rather, um, was kind of the main belief system in that region. So Christianity had kind of made some inroads into Arabia, but more kind of in the Syria region, less so down in the Saudi Arabia area. And uh, well, there was one, there was one particular place that was kind of uh, important for these polytheists, which was the Kaaba in Mecca. It was a shrine that was just full of images and idols that were worshipped by these different kind of, you know, Bedouin tribal herdsmen, these kind of nomadic or semi-nomadic people that they would come to. And and that's going to be important, actually, in the faith of Islam later on. Um, so the sto- as the story goes, around the age of 40, uh, Muhammad began, so this is in the year about 610, uh, Muhammad began receiving 
what he believed to be divine revelations. And so he claimed these occurred um, oftentimes at, at Mount Hira and then in other places later. And they were given to him, these revelations, by the angel Gabriel, which is significant um, yep. because obviously we get the, the the name for the angel Gabriel in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So there's some kind of connection, parallel thing that's supposed to be happening here, um, allegedly. Um, and so as he began getting these revelations, he began gathering followers. Um, and, and what, because what was being revealed to him was distinct and different from what most of the people around him believed, right? Most people are idol worshipers, polytheists, that sort of thing. And that's not the kinds of messages Mm -hmm. that he's getting. Um, he's initially, he's opposed by some of the kind of the rich and noble people in the area. And so he has to flee. Um, but he flees with his followers and then, Eventually, they kind of carve out some territory for themselves, carve out a little more. You know, they, they kind of dominate some of the neighboring tribes, some of them convert, and then end up kind of waging a campaign and then conquer Mecca, which was a very important city right. in the region of that time and still is the most important city in mm-hmm. the religion of Islam. Right. And, and I would say at this point, there there's likely... Some who are, are are hearing this and thinking, "Oh my goodness, they they just came in with their swords, and that's how they did their expansion." And mm-hmm. and I immediately see this as red flags and stuff like that. You got to understand outside perspective. You're not going to read, you know, the stories of Joshua any differently. Right? Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the thing is, like, swords were turned on them. As mm-hmm. well as them turning the sword, like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that right. At least not at this point. Um, and so throughout this time, over the, over a few decades, actually, um, the core teaching of what would come to be the Quran began to take shape. So, so Muhammad is again, you know, according to his his own uh, claims, receiving these uh, revelations from the angel Gabriel over time and is kind of building this faith system around these things. Um, and his influence expanded and, you know, through conquest and conversion throughout the Arabian peninsula. So if you can kind of picture that on a map, right, what is now, you know, Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Oman and the UAE and Kuwait and that, that whole area. Qatar. Qatar. Yeah, uh, Exactly. Um, and so that kind of continues, continues to expand. There continues to be a, a, a bit more of kind of a, a crystallizing of a faith system that is, again, distinct from the polytheism that these tribes were practicing. Yeah, I, I would, just to, to try to, to draw some loose uh, connections mm-hmm. that I think might be helpful, uh, when we were doing the um, the history podcast again— when we got into just just as the United States was coming into to its form, mm. we did a whole episode, maybe a couple of episodes, on the various cults that came just mm. after uh, the the growth, the real revival and growth of the church in that period, and how these these groups took on a very different kind of thing from the church around them, spun it into a thing that was really growing. Um, I would say 
what what Muhammad is doing is really similar to what Joseph Smith did mm-hmm. in, in that he was saying, an angel has given me these tablets or the seeing stones mm-hmm. and the ability to look into this and say, this is, this is actually another testament. Mm-hmm. He would eventually go on to correct the Bible on some things that had gotten wrong and off. And as he continues to write, it continues to drift into different things mm-hmm. a- mm-hmm. away from the even the original message. Right. Right. Uh, without continuity of being able to say, and this was the transition and the purpose for the transition. Right. 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 And uh, the same is true with, I, I can't remember her first name, but Miss White oh, yeah. uh, from the Seventh-day Adventists. Right, who came in? God gave me these visions, so this is the this is the correct way and the truth and the expanded theology. Mm-hmm. And Muhammad is, although he is surrounded by these polytheistic religions, because of his trade, he is in a lot of contact with Judeo Christian culture. Of course, yeah, and he's very familiar with Judeo Christian teachings. Yes. And what he is writing is not just a thing. I'm not going to get into it too far, so don't worry. We'll get there. He's not writing just a thing. Mm -hmm. He's writing things that are reimagining the Bible, the Christian Bible particularly, not Mm -hmm. just the the Jewish scriptures, but those as well. Um, but he's he's reimagining these things into a th- thing that makes more sense to him, right? And spreading that around. So yep. so as he's receiving what he says are these visions and these thoughts, uh, it begins and is very loosely based mm. off mm-hmm. of the sixty six books of the Christian Bible, which are formed at this point mm-hmm. and voted on in Nicaea hundreds of years before this takes place, right? And so he he takes this perversion of this and and spreads it around and and this is what he's working with. I yeah. I just didn't want to leave it out there at this point in a place where it was just as if he was coming up with things off the top of his head because it wasn't no. entirely novel. No. And and even his followers will say he was illiterate. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that could have happened. But that just completely undermines the power of oral tradition. Yeah. Right. No, for sure. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. There's definitely some striking similarities that when we get to kind of the, the holy texts themselves, um, which we'll talk about later, um, we'll, we'll see some of those similarities. Um, but as far as the chronology goes, uh, so he's receiving these things, um, expanding an influence. I mean, Muhammad, as far as his kind of personal life goes, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation about mm-hmm. it. Um, he's kind of preaching and, and you know, leading kind of um, the expansion of this religion through various means. Um, you know, one thing that kind of gets brought up a lot is, you know, he um, his marriage, he gets married to a very young girl, which is allowed in the teachings and stuff. So that's one of the things that um, kind of gets brought up and, and, and kind of handled a little bit. Um, anyways, Eventually, though, he dies. Yeah. So he dies. I, I would say oh, there sorry. are there are charges against his character. Yeah, that that even even a number of imams, when pressed on it, mm-hmm. just sort of move on from the conversation. They kind of throw their hands up and say, "Well, he's the prophet, so like, right, whatever." 
Yeah, because yeah. he's kind of revered in this kind of singular way. He's one of many prophets, but he's the prophet, right, right. right? And they would always, and when they say his name, it's always Muhammad, peace be upon him. Like I had a, a, mm-hmm. a Muslim friend who was actually devout, and like when we would have discussions, in our discussions, it was Muhammad, may peace be upon him, said this or did this or did that. It's very, there's a very strict kind of um, tradition of honoring him. And so to to kind of question anything that he did or right. said is really not allowed. Um, so he dies in 632 and was succeeded um, by the, f- the first kind of post-Muhammad leaders of the Islamic world who are known as caliphs. It's where we get the word caliphate, which is going to be an <laughs> extremely important um, thing for the next like thousand years. Actually, even still today, there are caliphates. Um, and these caliphs would massively, massively expand, uh, the growing Islamic empire. And we're talking like eastwards, right? From this kind of Saudi Arabia, that peninsula, east into Iraq, Iran, India, or sorry, I know Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, uh, northwards into Syria and the Levant, west into Egypt, North Africa, into Spain. In fact, uh, Muslims controlled Spain for a, a, the majority of the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we start getting into the Spanish Inquisition and well, the, reco- the attack on the Moors. The Reconquista, and- which was mm-hmm. late Middle Ages, was the, the Reconquista is the reconquering because they didn't conquer one little corner of Spain. Mm-hmm. And eventually that little Christian kingdom kind of pushes back the Muslim kingdoms and reconquers Spain. And there's a whole, yeah, but you're right. It, then it, there's, there's a whole lot of things that come out of that. It's a messy time folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so within a few decades, the Islamic empire controlled a territory about as large as the Roman empire had at its height. But we're talking not over several centuries. We're talking over several decades. Um, it's a massive expansion. Um, there is, there are divisions upon, who was to be the successor of Muhammad. And that's where you get the major division in Islam between Sunni and Shia. So Sunni is the majority of Muslims who would say that um, it's not like a, it's not like a hereditary thing. So you don't have to be related to Muhammad to be a leader. Um, The Shias would say you do. They're the nepotists. They're the nepotists. Yeah. So, um, very simple way of kind of dividing it up. The Shias tend to live in uh, Iran is kind of the 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 main Shia um, strong point. And Sunnis is kind of everywhere else. There, there's a mix, obviously here and there. It's 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 a little bit more complicated than that. But just for the sake of it was it was over a succession crisis that was kind of the the cause of the division. Mm-hmm. Um, you have different caliphates. These different. When we say caliphate, think of empire. The Umayyad caliphate uh, succeeded that kind of first initial group, um, conquered, you know, like I said, Portugal and Spain, almost France, turned back by Charles Martel and Charlemagne. Um, and we're talking like in the 700s here. Mm-hmm. Um, but would made, you know, made different incursions throughout Europe, conquered parts of Italy and, and you know, different, different regions. Yeah, so at this point what we're talking about is uh, it began to, to draw similarities to, to what we've talked about before mm-hmm. um, when there were multiple popes right and and they were able to raise armies to support them mm-hmm. it, it's it's 
that, but to a greater degree. Yeah. So you have, yeah, you have religious, religious slash military leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe like the Great Schisms, where you have the Eastern Church and the Western Church split. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. 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 And so, and so, like for a long time, and like people don't necessarily realize this, but for a long time, actually, for probably, man, probably close to a thousand years, the number one threat in the minds of Europeans um, was the caliphates, whether that was the, you know, Umayyad caliphate or some of the later ones, um, that, that was, that was the big threat. That was the existential threat. Yeah. Because they were so fast. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the expansion and I mean, and the way they, the way they conducted warfare, you know, from horseback, horse archers, like just very, you know, a lot of desert peoples, people who Mm -hmm. are very hardy, very, very, you know, um, who can withstand the elements like they were the superior military force in most engagements until the Europeans kind of finally kind of got the upper hand with technology, but it took a very, very long time. Yeah. And when you, when you look at even how their warriors would dress in the middle ages compared comparatively, Mm -hmm. you see inside of the Europeans, um, a lot of emphasis on defense. Mm hmm. With yeah. the armor and the big heavy swords and stuff like that, mm-hmm. whereas the Arabs were just offense, light, fast, mm-hmm. and if you get me, you get me, but but good luck, you better get me. Yeah, and there's more of us than there are of you, so good luck. Right. Yeah. So divisions, yeah, divisions emerged, and and eventually, you know, the Islamic world stopped being kind of this massive singular behemoth, and you had a um, a handful of smaller yet still pretty big kingdoms and empires. Um, and, and they're, you know, they're succeeded by others. Like, you know, these, the Abbasids, the Mamelukes, even the Ottoman empire, which existed up kind of the Ottoman empire kind of fell after the first world war, but up until the first world war, there was the Ottoman empire was considered to be a caliphate. Like it was, it was whole, like world war one was holy war. If you were Turkish, yeah. Like it was. Like that's just how so that's that's kind of into the into the modern age that that it's existed. And today, uh, Muslims make up about 1.1 billion people and uh they're the second largest religious group, but they are the fastest growing religious group in the world. Yeah, still today. very fast. Yes. Still very fast. Yeah. And and not all of it through evangelization. A lot of it through procreation. Yeah, a lot of it through mo- most of it through procreation. There is some evangelization, but um, as as kind of other parts of the world, the quality of life and access to healthcare and things improve. Right, places where you know infant mortality is not what it used to be in places like Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's increasing you know wealth and affluence in in the Middle East and in other parts of the world. I mean, um, nations that are considered you know Muslim dominant nations, I mean, stretch all across Asia, all the way to like Indonesia. So you've got like Indonesia all the way through, you know, the northern half of Africa um, are predominantly Muslim nations um, with very few kind of breaks in between. Right. Um, so, yeah. So those are, yeah, they're, they're, they're very large people, very diverse. Um, you know, what it means to be Muslim in North Africa is very different than what it means to be Muslim in Pakistan mm-hmm. or in Syria or in London, England, right? Right. And so that's, and again, we understand this inherently from a Christian perspective, but we also need to bring this kind of understanding of this diversity when we when we consider what it means um, 
to follow Islam. It's it's there there are core beliefs, but they are there's also a, a diversity in how they are applied and in the cultural expressions that come with Islam. Yeah. So a lot of what we've talked about is uh, conquest mm-hmm. and expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't want to just paint them as a warish people. No, yeah, there's more to it than that. There's some really interesting contributions mm-hmm. that they've made to society as a whole, right? Um, and some of these, some of these are contested because everything's contested. There's not a there's not a way to know exactly what was going on 2000 years ago and anything that someone says we did this first china's like we did that 5000 years ago right? <laughs> uh, which that's actually true that right? happens like a lot. Every, you have people that be like gunpowder it's like yeah right? or or the the naming of the planets in the solar system right china's right. like well we had without modern optics we did that 5000 years ago like, well <laughs> i don't know if that could happen anyway uh some things that they're particularly known for mm-hmm. um major advances in surgery yes yep. medical surgeries yep um advancements in flying machines okay that I didn't although know. yeah that's one of those you're just like mm, flying or suspended where okay we'll see yeah where? yeah yeah like, I, I still say you know kitty hawk yeah where the first time it was like recorded and there seen were and, well there were um there were hot air balloons before then yeah but i'm pretty sure that was yeah, yeah, france yeah. i could be wrong but I, th- I want to say france sorry just like the christians they were developing university systems yep yeah they were at the time mm-hmm. uh the entire world of algebra and trigonometry yeah advanced mathematics mm-hmm. um the, the entire world is going too far mm-hmm. if you remember back to to studying Algebra and geometry and trigonometry, all those things that mm-hmm. you were told you were going to need every day as an adult. Mm-hmm. So you had to learn them as a student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you remember that a lot of algebra is based off of the works of Pythagoras. Yep. Who was Greek. Right. Um, but ad- advancements mm-hmm. in algebra, trigonometry, and advanced mathematics, mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. a part of uh, the Muslim contribution. Yeah. Well, what happened was a lot of those ancient texts were stored in libraries in places like Alexandria mm-hmm. and Damascus and Constantinople that ended up being conquered by Muslim forces. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, there's a lot of ancient knowledge that is lost to the world because sometimes they burned mm-hmm. the libraries down, but sometimes they didn't, and they translated it into Arabic and then used it and advanced it and applied it in new ways. So, which, which yeah, in advanced uh, mathematics in particular, I know there, there's a lot. Yeah, that comes out of that. The advancements of optics, mm. particularly some of those optics that led to first cameras and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, musical scales and the division of of musical scales being formalized in okay, part. Okay, cool. Um, and and a- along with the Christians as well, developing hospitals mm-hmm. where there was public care. Um, although the practice of that is still present in some ways in biblical times, right, where inns would be used as hospitals in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some fun ones that are on the list here. The toothbrush. Okay, nice. Yeah, where nice. would we be without uh, the toothbrush? And uh, most importantly, coffee. Okay, yeah, that's important. Yeah. Very important. Thank you. 
Well done. First brewed in Yemen. Yemen. Interesting. Okay. In the ninth century. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for thank you for coffee. So, when we uh, right after my rant about how we're going to be wrong about everything, uh, I asked you to start the history by saying, mm-hmm. where do you place the history, the the insertion of Islam into history? And I asked that specifically because this is a contested thing. Yes. You gave me the birth of Muhammad. Yeah. That yeah. was the first thing that you went to. That's yeah, that's where I was I would probably sit. Yeah. This this book that I have in front of me mm-hmm. uses a very common phrase that is the Abrahamic religion. <laughs> Amongst the Abrahamic religions, the three major monotheistics. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay. The traditions of of Abraham. Right, yeah. (laughs) And according to those who hold the position of the Abrahamic tradition, Mm -hmm. which would be the Muslims themselves. Yes, it would. They would would say that that trio is valid. Yeah. If that's true, you're off by thousands of years. (laughs) Because when we said... When we said you need to understand how much has taken place by the time Muhammad is born, full disclosure, there's a bit of that that's dismissive of the religion, Mm. right? To say, why? Why would this much time have passed and all of a sudden we have the birth of a religion? Hmm. Right? And they would say... No, it is a part of the Abrahamic religions. It's commonly understood that way. In fact, I hear a lot of Christians say, but isn't Allah the God of Abraham? And I think that's an, that's important to answer, not mm-hmm. only theologically, but historically. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll get into it theologically in, yep. in upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. But today's the historical episode. Right, right. And we need to address it from that standpoint, too. Yeah. I saw I saw a video recently uh, as I was kind of scrolling online. And it was this guy trying to make the, the argument that Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are all the same, which is not mm-hmm. a great argument. And we'll no. talk more about that, especially next week. Uh, maybe a little bit today. But essentially, he was saying, like, hey, like, in Islam, it's Allah. But that's the Arabic word for God. But in Aramaic, which is a related language, which Jesus probably spoke, it would have been Elah or Elah, right? Or in Hebrew, Elohim. Elohim, yeah. So it's like, because the the im is the pluralized version, Yep. right? So that's where the im comes from. But that, that, that kind of core thing is the word for God. And it's like, okay, yeah. The words are similar. The words for God are similar. Yes. Right. And it doesn't mean, (laughs) like this guy's saying, and because the words are similar, it's all the same God. That means linguistically they're similar. Yeah, linguistically, yeah. Not in person, right? No. And and like I said, we're going to save the sort of like, the way Allah is described Mm. is very different than the way the God of the Bible is described in his response to humanity in some ways yes in some ways so no. so yeah. i would say the personality is different but that's a theological study yeah 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 historical study before we even get into it i would i would say 
Christians don't need to just grab hold of the Abrahamic traditions and and throw Christianity and Judaism in there together. Mm. Right? Because Christianity is an outcropping of Judaism. It's the flowering. I would say right. the flowering it's, of Judaism. It's it's when the when the when the bud blooms. That's Christianity, mm-hmm. right? And the reason this is important for Christians is because we stand at a place, too, where people could say, so the first century, so for all of time ahead of that, where were you, right? Which is why the Christians of the first century were very clear to go all the way back. That's why Jesus was very clear to say, I'm not bringing you a new thing, I'm bringing you the fulfillment of the thing. Right, right. Right? And using Old Testament language to talk about the flower blooming, I think that's a a really really great way to put this, was very important to the early church. So I would say, is Christianity of the Abrahamic tradition— in as much as it is the blossoming of Judaism, but not as a separate thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're grafted to this tree. Mm-hmm. We're not another tree also in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, imagine two plants, and these two plants in their infancy look similar. Like when they're growing in your garden, these two plants look very, very similar. One of them ends up flowering, bearing fruit, and the other one turns out to just be a weed. Even though they started, no. because, because but the there, but parallels... But I would say they're, they're a single plant. The parallel, no, I'm talking about the parallels between Islam and Judaism. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Because, they, because man, there are parallels. There are significant parallels there, between the two. As, like, between the rabbinic... I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, like, the spirit-filled David. I'm talking about I'm talking about the Pharisees who rejected Jesus and and Islam. Mm-hmm. There are there are pretty significant parallels, I think. Theologically. Theologically, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? So so that's what I that's what I think. But to say that that Islam is comes from the same root, um, I would say no, it does not. Yep. But it, it mimics it. Yeah, and so that's where that's where the historical discussion is really useful in this because if we want to get into uh, the theological side of it, there's a whole lot of just interpretation that can take place. Oh yeah, for sure. right. That becomes very interpretive, and and in that can be a little bit subjective. Right. So the question is, if Islam is an Abrahamic tradition. Mm-hmm. Where was it until Muhammad? Right, right. Because even cause here's the thing. So, so the the Islamic answer for that is that they that the true son of promise was Ishmael. Right, right. And so they're like they're genetic, but all the genetic ancestry of the Arabs, but also the spiritual ancestry comes to Abraham through Ishmael, but then you're, but again, you're looking at this massive gap because again, when Muhammad allegedly received these revelations, he's receiving them in a historical and social context where the people there are practicing 
um, polytheism. Mm-hmm. So they're not worshiping the one true God. Right. In any way, shape, or form. Right. So this is a novel thing. Right. You know, we're talking, I mean, depending on your estimates of when Abraham lived, I mean, 2,500 plus years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more probably. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the kind of gap that we're dealing with here. Yeah. So the, the idea is when Abraham is promised by God that he is going to be made into a great nation, his descendants would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, he then goes to his wife, they're older, he mentions that to God, hey, you know what, You've, you said this about us, it's not happening, we're getting older, and I'm not sure that this can happen at mm. this point. And so, what they decide to do is to have Abram, Ab- to have him sleep with Hagar, the nurse, the uh, the, hand the servant, made, handmaiden, yeah, or whatever they, yeah. the the servant of Sarah, rather than continuing on and trusting God's promise. So they decide to take this into their own hands to a degree, and Hagar does get pregnant, mm-hmm. and she does bear a son, and that is Ishmael, mm-hmm. and. When when Islam wants to look back and say this is our connection to Abraham, the the argument is he was the firstborn, he's the one of the promise. It doesn't matter that another son came later to Sarah mm. because just forgive me, I'm gonna botch the Abrams, Abrahams, Sarah's and yeah, Sarah's yeah, yeah, over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even worried about it. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. Um it doesn't matter that she would later have a son according to God's promise because it's not connected to the mother. It's connected to Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's the one. That's the end of the story. His firstborn is the one who receives the promise. Mm. And Christians have unfortunately given this validity. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons they do this takes place in Genesis chapter 16. Mm-hmm. And in Genesis chapter 16, there has there's a fight between Sarah and Hagar that is just this constant dripping kind of a thing where all of a sudden Hagar, instead of being the humble servant mm-hmm. to Sarah, is just like, I got one on you. Yeah. And it's a big one. Yeah. It's an heir. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a big deal. Right. Yeah. And and truth be told, like if we wanted to imagine onto the situation, you could see where Hagar could be pushing some boundaries, but you could also see where Sarah could just be jealous, right? Mm-hmm. There's equal opportunity for failure yeah. in, in this. Yeah. Even though it was her idea. It was. And so, which makes you wonder, like, is she was she like thinking the was she trying to prove that Abraham was the problem? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah, did they even it's, understand? It's it complicated because she like she gets she gets him to sleep with Hagar, and then when Hagar has a baby, she's like, not instead not of being cool like, hey, we did the thing. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. And so, so the uh, she goes to Abram, Abram, and she's like, listen, Hagar's got to go, mm. and her son has to go. Mm-hmm. which is huge, right? Like, 
Sarah or not, this is his son. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he sends them out. Just not like have some money and here's some child support and and a new home, but just like just start stepping out into the desert. It's wild. It is. Abram does some messed up stuff. He does. This is the biggest, in my opinion. Mm. That's pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, yeah. Anyways. And so he, he sends them out. They are literally dying in the desert. She can't bear it anymore. She knows it's the end, but she can't watch it happen. So she sets down her son, walks away, and an angel of the Lord comes and says, this isn't right, and God's going to look after you, Mm. and your son will live. There will be a people that come from him, um, but he's going to be a wild donkey of a man. Hmm. Right? And and it, it talks about... The his hand will be against everyone, yeah. And everyone's hand against him, right? And so the the thing is, he's going to be a warish person, and that's just going to be life for him. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to live, but it's not going to go well. Um, and and because of the the warish um, stereotype. Of Islam, and and I'm going to say stereotype because even if you want to argue that it's the most consistent pattern of leadership from the time of Muhammad into ISIS and other groups along the way, I will say numerically, mm. it's still a minority of those people who are culturally Muslim, like who are practicing jihad. You mean? Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. And and it's a little bit racist to say, well, see, this guy was going to be always at war. And, right. <laughs> and every Arab is always at war. They don't get along with anyone. They're always fighting. <laughs> and so this is this is the prediction on how everyone's personality is going to be right. in all right. in all of Persia right. from here on out, right? Right, 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 right. Um I think the angel is speaking. To Ishmael, maybe a group of people that come from him, because we know how these things can spread. Sure, sure, sure. The problem is, if you want to follow this pattern, there is no record anywhere in the world of Ishmael and his descendants forming a kingdom, forming a people, for however many years it took until the first century arrives. Mm. And then from that point on into the year 700, where everyone is polytheistic. Mm-hmm. There is no other monotheistic tradition. Right. There is no other people group that are historically calling themselves the people of Abraham. Only the Jews call themselves the people of Abraham mm-hmm. for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. It just disappears. Yeah, and then the Christians do, and then the Christians do. But they're as spiritual. a blossoming of yeah, the yeah. flower. They say we yeah. are grafted onto yeah. the tree. We're spiritual descendants of Israel, right? right? Whereas 
Islam mm-hmm. says, no, we've been running parallel this, all this time. This whole time, yeah. But they left no tracks in the sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, and you can't argue um, failures of historical record because every other group has historical record. Mm-hmm. You can't argue that it was erased by the victors because we have lots of cultures that we know of to be attacked and conquered Mm -hmm. and their story held through those kinds of things. Even if it was, we conquered this people, right? And they do get erased. At least we have that record of them. Right. There is just no record. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is there needs to be a a validating factor for Islam Mm -hmm. as a historical people group. Right, right. And that's where they grab onto this notion there could, and and technically there is, sure. a people who are the descendants of Ishmael. That's just sure. how genetics and time yeah. work. But and not, a, not a concentrated, formed people mm-hmm. that identified as the children of Abraham. Right. And, and it could be very, could very well be that that is, that some of those descendants became you know, what became what became the ancestors of the ancestors of the ancestors of the Arab people who, mm-hmm. like, that, that's entirely possible. We're talking about the same part of the world here, mm-hmm. right? There's right. only, you know, there's only, especially if you go back far enough in time where there's only so many people. I mean, like, you know, people people say that, like, there's, like, a significant percentage of the Chinese population today who are descendants of Genghis Khan, mm-hmm. which is, like, a thousand years ago. So, you know, you do the math and you're like, okay, well, yeah, theori- theoretically, this is possible on a kind of genetic ancestry.com kind of way. Mm-hmm. But there's not a spiritual heritage of worshiping the one true God that has existed during yeah. the entire time. And or, or even a people who are just calling themselves that. Yeah. Right? Even if it's not spiritual, even if they fell into polytheism as mm-hmm. the Jews did. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still held on to this notion mm-hmm. of Abraham as our father. Well, I think what it does is, cause, because there's a degree, especially, you know, these Arabic tribes were were not Christian, uh, but they would have come into contact with, with Christian peoples. Because mm-hmm. at that time, the Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, as it would come to be known, um, stretched into like Syria, and and the you know the Holy Land and Egypt and all that, so they they would have been familiar with Christianity and and there was a sense in which and and, and as well as Jewish communities and so a sense of this kind of connection back to Abraham being one of legitimacy, mm-hmm. right. right? If you think Absolutely. about like like kind of like a royal lines, like oh I'm I'm a, I'm an heir to the throne because I can trace my ancestry back to so and so, and so what it does is is it it, it makes that connection. That, that kind of ancestry connection to the legitimized one who is the one set apart by God. But because it's not through a different line, now the authority doesn't rest with the, and at this point the, the, um, the Christian church isn't, doesn't look like it does today. So you don't have the East West schism, but you have kind of like bishops and stuff, whether it's Constantinople, Rome, Alexandria, whatever, but it doesn't, the, the centers of power don't exist over there. They now exist with you, with Muhammad and his successors, mm-hmm. right? And so it's kind of a, a way of being like, oh yeah, like we're we're just as legitimate as anyone. We're in fact we're more legitimate, but we're also we don't have to kind of 
we don't have to follow anything that you've got going on over there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and much of the argument from their position is going to, because they're still going to talk about David oh, yeah. as a great prophet. Right, oh, yeah. they're they're still going to follow and Moses and David and Jesus. They're going to follow the Old Testament, the New Testament, very much mm-hmm. as as their history. Mm-hmm. So their point would be to say, this did happen. We do have record, and what happened is somewhere along the way, the Jews flipped the names of the brothers in the Bible. Right, and uh, it was really Ishmael. All along, he was the right one. But every time, right? Every every time that opportunity came up, Ishmael's name was removed. But that's a, a devious error put onto the text that does prove our history. It's conspiracy right? theory. They, it is. They would <laughs> they wouldn't just throw their hands up and say, "I don't know," and it doesn't matter to me. Right? Right? No, no, they no, no. they, they do have an answer for it, and mm-hmm. and that's where their text, which we'll talk about next time, mm-hmm. is going to have a lot. If not, most of the stories are going to be very similar mm-hmm. in in characters yep. who take place in the stories. The stories themselves are all... It's one of those things, instead of like, the stories are true, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, it's like the opposite. <laughs> like, the names are true, but the stories have been changed. <laughs> um is that fair? I think yeah, that's no, fair I think say. that's great. I think it's great. Uh, and, and, and so th- it's not as if they're without an answer, but their answer is... For all of history, mm-hmm. it was misunderstood right? because we never had the opportunity to make it right, and now we have the opportunity we're going to make it right. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like everyone's like, there is some truth to all these things that happened, but there were critical errors along the way, and thank goodness now we've got the updated, redacted, edited version mm-hmm. via you know, the angel Gabriel through the prophet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And now, so, so we can, we can connect ourselves to this thing that came before, but we've got the newer stuff, therefore the better stuff. And that's another parallel, as you brought up earlier on in the episode to the whole Mormon thing, the Latter-day Saint thing, mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. Right. It is the newer revelation that clarifies and edits and adjusts and changes the belief systems you know, um, and so therefore, of course, this is the right way of thinking because this is the the new way of thinking. This is the update. This is the update, right? Right. You guys are all still running iOS, whatever, and mm-hmm. we're on the new one. We fixed the bugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Quick story for you. Yeah. Uh, just to show you how interlinked many would see these three cultures as being. Mm. I... When I was teaching Bible at uh, BICA, Buenos Aires International Christian Academy in Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, I'm going to have to change this. I, I have to change this because this is going on the internet and I don't want to get anyone in sure, trouble. Sure, sure, sure. We had a young man, two young men at the school who were sons of diplomats from a very... Muslim country. Okay. Uh, that were only barely supposed to be there. And the the agreement that we had was that they could be in the school, they would need to go to Bible class, um, but they don't have to participate, just don't cut up, 
right? Okay. Don't detract from the class, mm-hmm. but you don't have to contribute. Okay. We'll just give you a pass fail. Okay. Based on conduct. Sure. Our thought was, man, if I get a chance to teach the gospel to this kid, sure. I don't not? care if there's a little bit of academic fudging and that he didn't actually take any tests or do any homework. Right. I couldn't care less, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. And the director of the school was 100% on board with that. And, and so the parents ended up being. And uh, I was teaching the book of Mark. And in order to do that, I decided to go all the way back in, into the Old Testament and lay a foundation for where Jesus comes onto the scene. Mm. And when we got to the part of Abraham, this young man came up to me and said, I told my dad what you were teaching in Bible class yesterday. And I said, okay. And what did your dad say? And he said, my dad says you're right. Right? Okay. So for this devout Muslim family, Mm -hmm. up to the point of Abraham, even the birth of his two sons, this Muslim family was willing to say, yeah. Yeah, We're good with that. 100%. We're good with everything you've said so far. Mm -hmm. At which point I was like, well... Today, the wheels fall off on our agreements, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we made it that far Mm -hmm. because they see the line that intact. Yeah. Right? Where I would say there's no way. At the time, at the time I bought in, unfortunately, I bought into the notion of the Abrahamic traditions, Mm -hmm. Um, but the more more I looked into it, the more I realized um, this is just a convenient thing that doesn't really study it too much. It studies more the theology outside of its historical context. Right. And doesn't really, if, if it's true, either Judaism or Islam are not Abrahamic. They wouldn't both be. If you have the whole, like the thing was twisted and, and separated at the end, only one of them can carry that storyline on. I mean, they're Abrahamic in the sense that they claim to be descended from Abraham. They're theologically Abrahamic. Yeah. So there's, there's, I mean, there's that, I yeah. suppose. But yeah, I know I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're, you're going to see, like when we get into it next time, there's a lot of a lot of parallels in a lot of the narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about 30,000 foot view. There's a, there's a, a strong parallel uh, in the narratives between the biblical account and that found in the Quran. Um it deviates here and there in details. We've obviously the Ishmael and Isaac one is is significant enough. The most significant is Jesus, mm-hmm. and you know, without giving away too much, that is the most significant deviation. That is the critical one. Um, that, uh, nah, I really, I, I, I think we can talk about this next. Yeah, time. Yeah, we, we'll talk. We will definitely because that's talk the about that's the big time. one. Yeah, for me, but yeah, no, I I have I think I think there is a cumulative effect. Mm. all the way through that is really problematic for me. Okay. So anyway. All right, cool. That's that's what they call a cliffhanger. Nice. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker. Take care. Sorry it's late. <laughs> <laughs>